Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We are debating the pros and cons of a bigger police budget. Also, helping Hamilton's homeless, Oscar snubs, and sports curses. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Hamilton Police Service seeking a $13 million increase in its annual budget. Do you support this? Two options for you. Yes, policing is vital or no... Find some cuts. Right now, 53% saying yes, policing is vital. 47% saying no, find some cuts. A lot of action on the text line. We'll get to those responses in just a few minutes' time. The text line, by the way, 905-645-3221. Or you can send me an email, rick at 900chml.com. One of the questions many people are asking is, well, what is this $13 million going to, this extra $13 million going to? Chief Frank Bergen from Hamilton Police joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML to talk about the annual police budget. Chief Bergen, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Hi, good morning, Rick, and thank you so much for this opportunity to have a conversation to let's uh, unpack the budget. Uh, you asked a great question is what is the $13.3 million or the 6.88% represent? What I've said, and I've been quite comfortable making sure that I could educate the community, uh, is that we're at 5.92% before I even opened up the 2024 budget process. That's $11.45 million. Rick, what's that come from? That, that comes from uh, 4.77% of that are collective agreements, collective agreements that have been established and, and uh, signed off by the association and the board. And uh, I have to make sure that I have the ability. I got told yesterday by a taxpayer that, Chief, it's just too much. There's no more cookies in the jar. And, and in this particular case, I, I have to pay those cookies because that's collective agreement. WSIB pressure comes in at a million dollars. Technology requirements, I think we're all facing the pressures of the inflation on being able to bring in the technology and the software programs. That's just about $700,000. And the, and the rest is just the cost of, of keeping the lights on, and that actually is um, $430,000. So that, that's 1145 so now how do I get up to $13 million? That, that new pressure, if you will, um, is something that I'd like to have a moment to speak to. Um, what that speaks to is us being able to support the Police Services Board strategic plan. Strategic plan, community safety, collaborative engagement, culture and capacity, core assets and trusting change. Uh, we need people. We need people. What I've heard also in the race identity-based data, use of force data, hate crime data. Uh, I need analytics. I need people. I need some really smart civilians here to help us uh, really quench the thirst of our community that wants to know data, data, data. In order to do that, I need to bring on the people. I also have to respect directions from Gloria Epstein and the Devin Freeman uh, inquest and inquiry, which also say that we need a missing person unit in this community. So that net new budget pressure off my base budget is 0.96% or $1.88 million, Rick. Well, it's a great breakdown, and there has been a discussion already at Hamilton City Hall. We're going to talk to Councillor Cameron Kretsch, who voiced his uh, displeasure, opposition to the current form of the budget. If Council were to say, listen, Chief, we love what you're doing, but can you rework it a little bit? Can you trim any of the costs? 
that again comes back, uh, Rick, to the board. Uh, this is a board budget, and we go through uh, extensive consultation, as you know, as you follow the police services board uh, every month, or uh, we report. We follow the multi-year budget requirements of the city of Hamilton. Uh, we also have the 10-year capital plan that we supply to our city. Uh, we submit these all on time. We, much like every other board and agency, uh, we follow that. Uh, we post our line by line budget and our, our our actual budget committee that's a, a subcommittee of the board uh, it plays a vital role in having that conversation with us so there, there's no dearth of information available out there what we need to do if it comes back from city council then it'll be a board decision uh, to direct me and if they're going to direct me then not to be able to fulfill their strategic plan, if they're going to direct me not to fulfill an inquest or an inquiry with respect to missing persons, then I'll manage as best as I can. Because again, I remember those taxpayers that are tapped out and they understand that any net new pressure is something that they feel. And we have to, all of us, make sure that we can keep this city safe. And as we are also invested in partnerships, and that's the one thing I really wanted to make sure I could uh, resonate with our, our community is the partnerships that we have in order to deal with the mental illness, the unhoused, the addictions that we're dealing with. That allows us, in fact, to keep our community safe, although we're only meeting 66% of the call for service demand. So we're a partner here, uh, Rick, and, and we're a partner with City Council. I had 11 councillors in in the last week. We went over the 2023 ward report, and the one question I asked them, uh, do your, your constituents feel they're getting value for their dollar? And, and what we need to do is we need to tell our story better. We, we've heard consistently is they want a presence in our traffic enforcement. They want us to work with Vision Zero and our great partners at the city to make sure that our pedestrians, our cyclists, and our motorists can arrive home safely. The majority of our councillors have told us they still want a police presence. And in fact, we're hearing from taxpayers in the downtown core and in other areas of this community that they wanted an increased foot patrol. And in our case, you heard us and we were on your show not only three months ago speaking with downtown business owners because they wanted core policing. Hamilton Police Chief Frank Bergen joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. We're dissecting the proposed Hamilton Police budget that was presented at City Hall this week. Uh, one listener texted in the other day about this saying, why not cut the mounted unit, for example, to save money? Are moves like that being considered at all? They're not considered at this particular time because if you're not aware, if you're looking at um, the demands that we have on public order, I, I'm responsible in this city uh, to make sure that we do crime prevention, law enforcement, assisting victims, public order, and emergent response. We had 40 seven demonstrations last year and some of those demonstrations can be quite difficult and quite challenged for us and in fact if we were to look at just the mounted unit alone in my working budget sheets um, I have a farrier that looks after the health and safety of the horses uh, we have some leasing fees that we have on the barn uh, but again we already found that we had five staff in there and we reallocated two of them because we had to make sure that we had frontline resources to answer the growing number of calls for service so we need them we ha we enjoy them we we enjoy them when they're out there for public relations and we get that part of it but we also need them when there's public order and then we have large crowds assembling um, when we had such a successful 
Grey Cup festivities. What a week for the city to showcase the amazing opportunities and the, and the opportunities in the downtown entertainment district. And, and we used our mounted horses. When we have large demonstrations at the school board, we use our mounted. When we have missing people in the rural areas of our community, we use our mounted. So uh, it's an easy line for someone just to pick at. But historically, uh, the presence of the horse and what we see is what they're able to do. The efficacy of the mounted unit, I think far outweighs what would be the cost savings of a couple hundred thousand dollars. Chief Bergen, really appreciate the police budget breakdown. Thanks for joining us this morning on Good Morning Hamilton. Thank you, Rick. And the final thing is everyone be careful out there. It's extremely slippery and make sure that you drive with care. Will do. Thanks, Chief. That is Hamilton Police Chief Frank Bergen with a uh, budget breakdown and and a quite extensive one to that end. We are going to get someone who's opposed to this budget. That is Councillor Cameron Crutch from Ward 2, who's going to join us at 8.20 this morning to offer his thoughts on what should be done with this budget. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. To the Hamilton Police budget we go. Go a little bit deeper in on this because there are... At least one person objecting to this. And we had Chief Frank Bergen on the show earlier on. And first question I asked him is, what are taxpayers getting for this extra $13 million? So Chief Bergen says, listen, this is a maintenance budget, $11.45 million being spent, baked in, in terms of uh, the cost to pay officers and staff, WSIB costs, uh, technology needs, hard costs to, quote, keep the lights on. And there's a couple of million needed to implement the Police Services Board's strategic plan as well, the, the go-forward plan. One city councillor says he's not in favor of this proposed increase. His name is Cameron Kretsch, councillor for Ward 2 for the City of Hamilton, who joins us now on GMH. Councillor Kretsch, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Rick. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, your main objections to this proposed budget, what do you what do you not like? Well, I'll be honest, the process has been anything but rigorous and thorough uh, to get us here. Uh, we had a basically process over at the board that didn't delve into the budget itself, just looked at sort of the presentation or the slideshow that was given. Wasn't really an opportunity provided to do a rigorous analysis and look into some of the budget lines. So that's my first major concern is that, you know, city council, when they approve a budget, has to have faith that the board has done its due diligence. And I don't think it has done its due diligence. So that's my first major concern. Um, also, the amount we're talking about here. I think if Hamiltonians uh, look back not too long ago to 2011, they'd see a council then, uh, an emotion from, you know, chair of the board, uh, Lloyd Ferguson, you know, who put the taxpayers on, you know, sort of put put the police board on notice by putting that motion back there saying, look, we have to send this back. At that time, we were talking about a 5% increase and a $130 million budget. Now we're talking actually about a 10.24% increase and $20 million extra. So I know we talked earlier about 13%. That's just the operating costs. There's also mandatory capital costs that make it up to $20 million of an increase. So if that council in 2011 was willing to say, hey, you have to take a second look at this again, we should be willing to do the same when we're talking about a double digit increase. The due diligence portion of this, you're saying the board didn't do its due diligence. You're on the police services board. So what what didn't happen that you wanted to see? Well, the budget committee uh, should really have been looking at the budget, not uh, a presentation. And we didn't do that work and we didn't meet our mandate. We're supposed to meet four times, only met twice. Uh, when the issue was raised as to whether or not we'd be voting on the budget, we didn't vote on the budget. 
it was just sent to the board without a vote by the budget committee. When it got to the board, uh, the conversation there again was brief with no questions about the actual line items of the budget, just a presentation, and the majority voted to pass it on. It was a split vote uh, that was 4-2. Uh, two of us decided that we didn't think that there had been the right rigor or we were supportive of the budget. And the majority has the rule on that board. Uh, this is council's opportunity to say, look, we need you to sit down with the budget and look at some savings. This is getting to a point where uh, it's out of hand, frankly. We're talking about a 10.24% increase in, in the police budget and an extra $20 million to make the gross budget $230 million, according to the city's finance staff. Our guest it's on- a staggering amount. Well, yeah, it is a lot of money. There's no doubt about that. Cameron Kretsch is the councillor for Ward 2 with the City of Hamilton and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Have you asked the chief or the or the police services board to say, listen, we, we want to see a line-by-line budget um, presentation here? Of course I have. I spoke about this all in public, and for those interested, they could watch the police services board meeting where I discussed this at length in public, and I was outvoted on that subject. It's not that we didn't have an opportunity to see the line-by-line budget. There was just no opportunity to ask questions about it or to dig into it or have a conversation about where there could be savings. You know, you brought up some really good points, I think, when you were speaking with the chief about things like the mountage unit, you know, and some of the answers the chief gave were about public relations. Look, policing doing public relations, uh, how much is that costing people? I know it's going to be a difficult conversation with the police board if this budget gets sent back, but I think every single department, every single councillor is having difficult conversations. I think most people who are contributing to the city's municipal coffers are having difficult conversations. Why shouldn't the police board have difficult conversations? Mm-hmm. Well, and to the mountains unit too, and I don't want to speak uh, out of turn, but I did hear the chief say that that was also for demonstrations as well, and we've certainly had a few of those. But sure, I'm I'm on board with you know trying to find any kind of cost savings uh, as as long as it doesn't impact service. And I'm not sure you know if if for example deleting the mountain unit would drastically uh, reduce our level of protection? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure we're in a position to see that. But if you were to trim something, do you have do you have a, an idea of what you would like to lop off? There's a lot of stuff to talk about here, Rick. I think it's a really big conversation because 90% of nearly 90% of the costs are related to human resources. Uh, I think the chief also talked about collective agreements. Look, when the city of Hamilton uh, approves collective agreements, uh, that comes right to council. If council is the one who's funding uh, the police services board's expenses, including the results of collective agreements. Should the board be entering into collective agreements without checking with the city first? Like, I have no idea um, exactly what the details are around those collective agreements. It's also done by a separate committee of the board. I think the transparency, rigor, thoroughness needs to be applied to the Hamilton Police Services Board budget, just like it is to every other budget. I'm not, there's not even been a conversation about reductions here. Rick, like no one's, no one has sat down and said, "Here's the budget. Let's find a way to bring bring this number down lower." That conversation never happened. Meanwhile, it's happening everywhere else in our city. The police should not be an exception to this. Um, I've been speaking about this publicly for a long time now. I think there's a growing number of councillors who are concerned about this kind of increase. We saw an eight-seven split vote in 2011. I'm not sure where the numbers are today, um, but I know that it's just more than me that people that are concerned on council about this budget. We've got 90 uh, seconds left to go. We know that Hamilton Council trying its darndest to find some cost savings. I think there's a lot of people pointing to this $60 million bike lane uh, initiative and saying, well, why is that going ahead when we can't even house the homeless? Can you shine some light on that? Yeah, it's a multi-year plan. That $60 million is not being spent out of today's taxes on the tax bill for 2024. A fraction of it is. It's a multi-year plan to invest in better infrastructure. That better infrastructure isn't just making sure that we have 
uh, places for cars to drive to make sure all road users feel safe to actually hit our targets and have a vision zero city where there's no more traffic fatalities and also to address our climate goals um, and frankly been proven to really help with small businesses especially in uh, business improvement areas having bike lanes so this is something that is part of climate's sorry council's uh, overall term priorities to do these things um, I think it's a wise investment, and frankly, we have a lot of catching up to do when it comes to bike lanes in our city, of this size especially. So I think it's important to look at all these things in the broader picture, um, and we are making up for lost time, frankly, not having done some of these things before by putting in the protecting infrastructure to ensure that um, bike lanes are safe and that everybody has the right to get around our city safely. Councilor Crunch, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. You too. That's Board 2 Councillor Cameron Crench, City of Hamilton, chiming in on the police budget and well, a little bit about that bike lane expenditure. And as you heard, a fraction is going to this year's tax increase and uh, obviously a lot millions more going into future budgets. We'll see how that impacts future budgets. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. HamSmart, the Hamilton Social Medicine Response Team, has created a winter survival kit fundraiser to provide basic needs to people who are living outside. Shabi Ahmad is the Director of Community Engagement and Mobilization with HamSmart and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shabi, good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Tell us about this fundraiser. So the fundraiser came out of a request from folks who have been uh, living outside there's just been such a lack of supports created for folks who have uh, who are being forced to live outside through this winter. And so people are going to get really sick and they have actually gotten really sick. And there's a fear of, you know, people dying uh, and get or and or getting deeply sick with hypothermia, pneumonia, you know, loss of limbs, frostbite, those sorts of things. And uh and so there's a real fear uh, and worry that people will not be able to make it through the winter. Uh, it's an ongoing fear that happens every year. Uh, and so this fundraiser came out of that uh, specific ask to, uh, you know, do what we can to as a community to be able to support people who have nowhere else to go this winter uh, so that they have the tools that they need to get through the winter and survive. We have uh, several uh, encampments in the city. I'm, I'm yes. sure the sentiment is uh, one of despair because it's not a situation that anyone thought they'd be in. What, yes. are, what are they telling you? Have they felt that the city has let them down and they have nowhere to go? What, what are they saying? For sure. There has been a real sense that uh, from many of the folks that we've spoken with that uh, you know, they're really left on their own, that there's not many options for folks who are forced to be outside. Um, there aren't shelter spaces, enough shelter spaces. There aren't enough warming centers. There aren't enough options for people to stay warm, uh, to be able to do anything to try and take care of themselves. Uh, so there's a real sense of abandonment and a real sense that, that folks are you know, truly on their own. Uh, so anything we can do as a community to be able to help support them uh, to at least have some basic needs to survive is, is amazing. Hamilton is spending more than $100 million. I think the figure is $119 million on 
winter response, emergency shelters, uh, tenant support programs, way more than the federal and provincial governments, which is what we found out yesterday from City Hall, but still not enough. What can the city do to help those who are in encampments right now? Uh, I think, I mean, you're right that the city is spending more. Um, I think the the question you have to ask is what are they spending it on? Is it, are they actually spending it on things that truly are meant to take care of folks during the winter are meant to really address the roots of the issue, which is the fact that there is uh, not enough affordable housing out there. Um, or is it meant as a way to like maintain the status quo or, um, you know, just manage you know, people being in this state of homelessness um, while waiting for something maybe from the provincial or federal government. And that's definitely more of the sense that we get. What can the city do more? I mean, the warming centers, it's not enough. We need more spaces for folks, you know, um, things that have come up are, uh, are like, uh, you know, opening up potentially like old schools or old buildings or old spaces where people could actually go and stay. Um, other options would be, you know, there's been uh, worries about fires and stuff, and but fire is something that folks need if they're living outside, uh, you know, to be able to stay warm. So there has been asks in the past uh, for you know, uh, the fire department to work alongside the folks in encampments to create designated fire spaces so that people have a place to go and stay warm. There is a uh, request for hydro, you know, hydro spaces to be unlocked so that folks have access to electricity so that, you know, they could set up maybe uh, some of those space heaters, you know, the ones that have the built-in safety where, you know, if it were to fall over or something, then, you know, it automatically shuts off. Things like that, uh, to be able to, to be able to stay warm and, you know, not get sick during the winter. Also requests for more spaces for bathrooms and showers and stuff because hygiene and personal care is so important to there, folks. There is a laundry list of things to do, that is for sure, and you just outlined yes. many of them. Shabi Ahmad is the Director of Community Engagement and Mobilization with HamSmart, the Hamilton Social Medicine Response Team. We're talking about uh, the Winter Survival Kit fundraiser, which we'll get back to now here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. I understand there's three different types of kits that people can fund through this fundraiser. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the first uh, kit is uh, like a basic survival kit. So those would be things like a sleeping bag that pe people could use to get through the winter, you know, tents, uh, flashlight, uh, emergency blankets, those sorts of things. The second kit is a personal care kit. So that would be like hygiene supplies, wound care supplies, just basic things to take care of, you know, people's hygiene, their personal care, any sort of, you know, wounds or injuries that come up uh, as they're trying to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. And then the third kit is a nutrition kit. So it would be stuff for people to be able to eat and drink and take care of themselves so that they have food uh, and, you know, they're just able to get through the day and or get through the week. So there's these three levels uh, at uh, 
different rates. And you can check uh, out you can, you can check out yeah. the rates and and check out the kits online hamsmart.ca is the website to go to. There's just one click and you're a donation away. Really quick, we've got thirty yes. seconds. We had a a fire yesterday at an encampment at JC Beamer Park. Uh, is everyone okay? I have not heard of this fire from yesterday, so okay. I, I don't want to speak to what did or didn't happen. I'm sorry. No problem at all. Shabby, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck with this winter survival kit fundraiser. Thank you so much, and thank you for having us. Shabi Ahmad is the Director of Community Engagement and Mobilization with HamSmart, the Hamilton Social Medicine Response Team, as we touch on some of those uh, kits that are uh, up for uh, your donations to help those who are living in encampments. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This is a really interesting idea. We, earlier this morning, were talking about homelessness in this community, the encampment situation and ham smart the hamilton social medicine response team is out with a winter survival kit fundraiser you can go to hamsmart.ca and uh, offer your donation to one of the three kits that they have for those in encampments to that end there's a woman here in hamilton that's launched a petition that is saying hey you know what we should do is open up the john weir foot armories the james street armories and use that as a warming center for the homeless her name is Angela Voss, and she joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Angela, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Okay. Why did you come up with this idea? Well, because it's just breaking my heart to see people in these flimsy tents um, while there's a building down the road that can be facilitated for them. And, of course, it's not going to be a long-term solution, but... And it's not going to take care of all the medical health, substance use, and economic problems for those living in tents in the middle of the winter. But this is an opportunity for all of our agencies that serve the community to have contact, provide urgent health care, and guide people to supportive housing. I've heard people who work for the city say it's not suitable, but they are the same people who have failed at their jobs or else the tents would be gone and people would be housed. What is the reasoning behind this armories not being suitable? Well, one of the things came up that there's still functions going on in the armories, but there's actually two armories and the act the activities can continue on site and we can help the homeless on the other side at the same time. You, do you and get the sense it's more of a liability thing? Ready to help us learn some of their tips and tricks for survival. Do you get the sense it's more a liability issue than anything else? Uh, I get the sense it's more of a funding thing, but the city of Hamilton has an operating budget of $2.1 billion, and the Ontario government's uh, operating budget is $204 billion this year. And it will allow the taxpayers to judge for themselves whether the Premier Ford and Mayor Howard should be able to find twenty to $40,000 to help people get out of the cold for a few nights in January and February. Maybe Hamilton City Councilors should be rethinking the $60 million bike lane idea and, and invest in warming centers instead. We're and ask people right now to sign our petition at hamiltonhelps.com. I was just going to say, where can people sign the petition? And how many signatures have you received at last check? Um, the last check we checked a couple of days ago was 267, I believe. 
And is there a goal that you have in mind to reach to present to City Hall or maybe the provincial government? We were thinking 2,500. Okay, so you're getting there. Are you surprised that you've gotten this much or this few? Where are you at with uh, your reaction to the numbers? Considering I've only been a member of Hamilton City for a year, um, I've just started to place my feet on the ground here and get to know people. I think I've done extremely well, and I'm, I'm quite proud of what we've done. Well, it is an interesting idea. Have you received any response from the city other than, you know, the the uh, what you mentioned just a few minutes ago in terms of whether or not they're going to look into this? I actually hear about their responses on the news. Um, I haven't heard from them personally about these little things about, um, like, their facility being used already and then the funding and all these kinds of things. So I'm just responding um, to them the same way that they're responding to me. And uh, do you have any kind of cost estimate on how much this would cost to house the homeless or, or just operate it as a warming center? Um, Twenty to $40,000, depending on the needs, of course, of the people that are in there because medical supplies do end up costing a little bit more money. But really, it's really not expensive considering it's already heated, already ready, and everything's already certified. I guess is you, would, you would have to supply some sort of staff to, you know, offer treatment or whatever the case is, too. And that comes with the cost. It does, but we have the reserve right there. The military can teach. And we can also draw from our school board because every high school student has so many community service hours that they have to do. So we can use some of these facilities and um, agencies that are already running all these services and teach these people and work together as a community because building community, it really does depend on all of us in all ages. Well, I'll certainly give you credit for thinking outside the box. And uh, I think maybe we need more of that with this situation. Angela, thank you so much for the time today. Good luck with this petition. Thank you so much. Right, you have you, a great day. You too. That is the petition organizer, Angela Voss. Yeah, using the armories, I don't know, it, it comes with a cost. I'm not sure if it's 20 to 40. It might be a lot more than that if you're... If you're relying on people to staff this thing, but listen, if you have volunteers in there, maybe it'll work. Maybe we'll follow up with the John Weir Foot Armories and see what they uh, think about this plan on a future edition of GMH. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Oscar talk. The nominations for the 96th Academy Awards were announced and the reaction has been intense. Oppenheimer leads the pack with 13 nominations, followed by... Poor Things with 11, Killers of the Flower Moon with 10, and last summer's smash hit Barbie receiving eight nominations. However, as always, there are some snubs. Brett McGarry is the co-host of the Starts Morning Show on sister station CJOB in Winnipeg and also co-hosts the Couch Potatoes, which you hear every weekend here on 900 CHML. Brett, good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. So some people are just losing their minds over some of the snubs of the Oscar nominations. Perhaps the biggest one that people are just going nuts about is that Ryan Gosling is nominated for Best Supporting Actor for playing the role of Ken in the movie Barbie. But Barbie herself, Margot Robbie, did not receive a Best Actress nomination. What do you make of that? I don't know what to make of that. And I should preface this by saying, first of all, and I'm, I'm just about to obliterate my credibility on this, <laughs> but uh, of the couch potatoes, me and Jeff Braun, he 
will see way more of these movies than I have. I still haven't even seen Barbie. It's on my list of things to watch on uh, Crave. <laughs> so I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen Barbie. I haven't seen Oppenheimer. I And the, the one movie I was hoping would be nominated <laughs> was Godzilla Minus One, which is a way better movie than I ever thought it would have been. And there was talk that it might actually sneak in with uh, Best Picture nomination. But, yeah, the fact that Margot Robbie wasn't nominated, can't believe that. The fact that Greta Gerwig was not nominated for Best Director, mm-hmm. can't believe that. And th- this is always the problem with the snub discussion, because you can only nominate five in most categories best picture is now up to 10 so there's always going to be somebody snubbed but that one seems like like uh we just shot ourselves in the foot kind of snubs a lot of people are going to be talking about the academy awards because of the snubs but they're an- they're angry with this thing, and I can I can see why. I mean, they're fans of Margot Robbie. Maybe they love the movie Barbie, and they want everyone in the movie nominated. But the mm-hmm. the ferocity behind their anger is somewhat to behold. Well, and here and that's part of what that's part of something I, I've really grown to dislike about pop culture is the you can't do everything get moment in the the hatred sun. Star Wars is a constant or is constantly under attack by a certain pocket of the fandom. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is constantly under attack and being criticized for things that I don't think necessarily are worth criticizing. So the people who are angry now have the ability to express that anger and a way to get organized quickly thanks to social media and we're always we're in such a rush in with outrage culture in general mm-hmm. to show the world how how mad we are and when it comes to something like this yep there were snubs but there's a lot of great work that's been done but instead of celebrating the the good work i can see how in this particular case the snubs overshadow the the celebrating because this was the biggest movie of the year yeah by a mile. The only movie that came close to it was Super Mario Brothers, and actually Super Mario was right behind it, but they, they both made well over a billion dollars. Uh, but so when you have a movie that was that big, that popular, and that groundbreaking to then have these two major snubs that, um, yeah, I can, I sort of get it, but I also get sort of annoyed with the, the whole <laughs> outrage. I'm, I am outraged. You must hear my outrage. Yes. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Brett McGarry is the co-host of The Start on sister station CJOB and Winnipeg. And you also know him as uh, one of the two Couch Potatoes, which you can hear on CHML Saturday afternoons at 1, Sundays at 7 p.m. There was one more snub that a lot of people are kind of miffed about, and that's Leonardo DiCaprio, not up for best actor for his role in Killers of the Flower Moon. And I suggest, does it really matter? I I would think that Killian Murphy is probably going to have that Oscar in the bag anyway. Yeah, the, the, there was talk that Paul Paul Giamatti yeah. might be uh, he he could be in in the mix for that. But yeah, I think Killian Murphy probably has this one locked up. And as look, Leo Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the best actors ever, and I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. But he's already got an Oscar, so <laughs> let someone else have a crack. I think it's great to see a guy like Killian Murphy have a moment in his moment in the sun here because he's been. He's been a, a, hey, it's that guy kind of actor for years, or he's been in in lots of smaller productions. Mm-hmm. But like the first thing I ever saw him in was uh, 28, 28 Days Later. 
28, I can't remember if it was 28 hours later, 28 days, whatever. Mm. The, the zombie movie that he was in. It was fantastic. Yes, He's so good. So to, to see him get this nomination as the lead actor and potentially hold that trophy, I think that's great. I don't care if, about Leo. And I'm sure he doesn't either. Yeah. Listen, if he was battling a bear in Killers of the Flower Moon, then maybe he would have gotten an Oscar nomination, but uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> Do you, uh, we got about a minute left. Do you have a favorite to win any of these awards or maybe one that, that you're hoping will win? I think Oppenheimer is probably going to take the, uh, the the best picture, although I wouldn't be surprised if Barbie takes it now just out of reaction mm. for the uh, oops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Oppenheimer is probably the uh, the, the winner there. But in terms of like these other races, yeah, Killian Murphy maybe, but this this is a pretty wide open race because the especially considering Barbie and Oppenheimer, the fact that that was such a massive event when those with those movies coming out at the same time and feeding off of each other, and they they created a, a unique really unique phenomenon in pop in pop culture. So I am really I'm actually genuinely curious to see how those two are going to duke it out at the Oscars this year. Yeah, there are some interesting races for sure, regardless of the snubs. Should be a good show on March the 10th. Brett, thank you for the time. Enjoy the day. All right, you too. Brett McGarry, co-host of The Couch Potatoes. You can listen to that show every Saturday at 1 p.m. and Sunday nights at 7 right here on 900 CHML. Brett is also the co-host of The Starch Morning Show at Sister Station CJOB. And it was a phenomenon. Barbenheimer, right? Last summer was Barbie, was Oppenheimer. A lot of people doing the, the double bill, going to one movie, and then right after watching the other uh, I did not do that. In fact, I haven't watched Oppenheimer yet. I did see the Barbie movie, and I thought it was good. I expected it actually to be better, but, you know, I liked it. It was good. I thought Margot Robbie was great. I thought Ryan Gosling was outstanding and certainly deserving of the nomination. Uh, but I think Margot Robbie should have gotten nominated as well. It was an iconic movie, a and Greta Gerwig as well for, for Best Director. Didn't get... A nomination either. I thought that was a big snub. Maybe the biggest snub of them all, to be honest. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Another year, another season without a Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott, after his one for three performance last week, he has tremendous support in the building. If he has to make one for us, the game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. They certainly did. Thanks again to CBS for the sound. Bills have, as you probably already know, have never won the NFL's marquee championship. They remain the only team to play in four straight Super Bowls and lose them all. 2024, by the way, marks the 25th anniversary of the Hamilton Tiger Cats' last Grey Cup victory. As If you're a sports fan, you know that the Leafs haven't won anything since 1967. Are sports curses real? We had the curse of the Bambino and the goat curse in baseball that lasted for decades before they were ultimately broken. Is this stuff real? Greg Tranter is the author of The Buffalo Sports Curse, 120 Years of Pain, Disappointment, Heartbreak, and Eternal Optimism. And Greg joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Are are sports curses actually a, a real thing? Uh, well, certainly for Buffalo, uh, they are, <laughs> as my as my book tries to portray. 120 years. What's in the water in Buffalo? Well, so three things actually happened in 1901 to begin the curse. Uh, first, President uh, William F. McKinley was assassinated in Buffalo. 
Uh, Buffalo had an original franchise at the birth of the American Baseball League that the Blue Jays are now in. Um, however, in January of 1901, Van Johnson, the president of the league, determined that he needed a team in Boston. And so he moved the Buffalo franchise to Boston. They became the Boston Americans. In 1903, they won the first World Series <laughs> uh, with a Buffalo uh, player and manager managing the team, a guy named Jimmy Collins. Um, and in 1907, they were renamed the Boston Red Sox. The third thing that happened in 1901 is the owner of the Buffalo baseball team died at 53 of a heart attack with a broken heart because he lost his beloved baseball team to Boston. And so those three things created the curse. And the premise of the book is no Buffalo major league sports team in any of the four major sports of baseball, basketball, hockey, or football has ever won a universally recognized championship in any of the four major sports. And on top of that, I mean, we've had, as I mentioned, the Bills in the Super Bowl, the Sabres in the Stanley Cup, and they lose in the most excruciating fashion. Yes, that is absolutely true, as as we witnessed Sunday night. Um, and then when you when you have monikers for games you played, wide right, wide right two now, 13 seconds, home run throwback. All of those are about as painful a losses as a franchise can have and a fan base can put up with. Yeah, Sabres fans will grimace at the thought of skate in the crease with Brett Hull's skate in the, in the blue paint. And the overtime goal counted and the Dallas Stars beat uh, the Sabres for the Stanley Cup. Part of the book, though, is eternal optimism. So, I mean, fans in Buffalo are, are waiting somewhat patiently or sometimes impatiently for something good to finally happen. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I think that um, I was hoping that once the book was published, it's like we have to acknowledge that a curse exists before <laughs> we can break it. So I, I was hoping the book would, would, would do that, though it hasn't so far. Um, and now my hope is that the new stadium um, that moves across the street uh, two years from now, because, of course, the current stadium is built on an Indian burial ground, which also potentially plays into the curse. Wow. Well, um, for Buffalo fans, we can always hope that maybe next year. <laughs> it was the moniker of the Brooklyn Dodgers for so many years. Wait till next year. Well, I guess we'll have to wait. Greg, thank you for the time this morning. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Greg Tranter is the author of The Buffalo Sports Curse, 120 Years of Pain, Disappointment, Heartbreak, and Eternal Optimism. Check it out in your favorite book store. Poll question of the day. What a tremendous response we're getting today on X at AM 900 CHML. Do you support the police budget? There's $13 million added to it. Yes or no. And it's gone back and forth. Now the yes category is, is winning the day right now. Getting a lot of texts on this as well at 905-645-3221. Brad says, how about the counselors take a pay cut? Policing is essential. Shane says, I support the police budget. Another texter coming in with fully support police budget. Stephen on X says, this chief gives typical politician answers. Fact remains, he must be fiscally accountable like any other department. Cameron Kretsch is bang on.
on about this police budget. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.